Do you think you may have a problem with your alcohol consumption or drug use? Are you thinking about quitting and want to know what all the sober hype is about? Are you in recovery and chose to tune in for some inspiration? Whatever the reason, I'm so grateful you are here with me today. My name is Sarah, and I am the creator and host of this podcast. I spent most of my life drinking, and eventually I realized how alcohol was negatively impacting my life in many ways. One day at the age of 39, I decided I was sick and tired of feeling sick and tired, and I reached out for help. I have been sober since 2012, and it has changed my life in ways I never imagined. I am so happy that I got the chance to live a more comfortable life, free of the chains of addiction. Today, my life just keeps getting better. Sober Gratitudes was born out of the desire to recover out loud so that others could see the hope in sobriety. In each episode, I speak with a recovered alcoholic or addict who shares how their life changed for the better after they got sober. I welcome you to subscribe to my podcast to hear these amazing stories of people from all walks of life. They too want to share in this mission to help others and to end stigmas of addiction. I promise you, you will be inspired. Whether you have been here before or you were a first-time listener, I would be so grateful if you would take a minute to write a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show so that it can reach more people who may be struggling. You can also reach me at sobergratitudes at gmail.com with any questions or comments. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you again for dropping in today and welcome to Sober Gratitudes. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 22 of Sober Gratitudes. My name is Sarah and I'm so happy you're here today to listen to another great episode with my dear friend from Canada, Carmel Pelly from carmelpelly.com. Carmel, I met about a year and a half ago when I first started to get into social media and she and I connected and I was on her podcast and I was very nervous and she was so wonderful and she inspired me to live into my own authenticity and was instrumental in helping me to launch my podcast. Carmel is a great example of having the courage to continue to heal and grow in sobriety no matter how many years you have. And she has 15. So today's episode is terrific. The tables were turned. The focus was mostly on her and we share lots of laughter and it was such a, such a blast to have her on my show. So I hope you enjoyed the show yourself and have a terrific day. Hi, Carmel. How are you? I'm good. I was looking over um, your website. Oh, boy. <laughs> and um, and then I came across YouTube videos of when you did when you do Zooms with with um, guests on your recovery lifestyle site. Or is it through Voice of America? Which yeah. One? OK, well, it's on all of them, though. Yeah, right. Okay. And I had never watched the one with me. And <laughs> I'm like, Oh, gosh, <laughs> you know how it is? Like, it was one of the first times I've ever been interviewed, and also interviewed on like, video. So I was very self conscious. 
and I'm like, oh, I can't watch this right now before I call you. So, uh, but I will, I will go back. And, and, and then I was just freezing. I was just going through everything and I was just remembering how was this in early 2019 that you and I connected. Yeah, I think so. And I was so inspired by you and what you're doing. And, and I'll give you the chance to talk about that for the listeners, but you, I have to tell you that you are one of the two women in this kind of this venue, um, this recovery venue of podcasting and, you know, video recording that truly planted like a huge seed in me to get to a place where I am now with my own podcast. So I just want to thank you for that. I love that. I love that because sometimes you don't always feel like you're making a difference or it really matters because you don't hear that stuff on this end. Right. And I'm sure you're experiencing that now being on the other end of it too, as the podcaster. Right. I am. I am. You're kind of like, am I making a difference? Is there any point to this? Why am I doing this? You know, you have those moments. So thank you for saying that. Yeah, sure. You're doing so much. I mean, you're, you publish books. You're like another one's coming out. I just saw self-love every day. Oh, I love that. That's just amazing. Yeah. What's not on there is I have my own memoir coming out and it has been a struggle to write. <laughs> so I don't know if you want, we can talk oh, about all of this. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. We have so much we can talk about. Yes. Um, and, but first and foremost, I, I just was curious to hear how you've been do- doing during COVID. I know we've been kind of checking in on each other uh, and, and you've got a young son, you have two sons. And um, so, you know, juggling, homeschooling and and your endeavors your professional endeavors how is that working for you during COVID? (laughs) It's it's interesting because before COVID I had been taking a long break to focus on my health my health wasn't doing very well and I needed to you know and it's funny because when we get on this healing journey we realize how much damage we've done to our health even over a decade later and these things pop up as you get older and so I was really focusing on just getting better and so I wasn't podcasting I wasn't um, I think my book naturally started coming out because I've been going to therapy Mm. and so digging up a lot of stuff and going through a lot of stuff and when I was ready to get back going and start recording and interacting and maybe a little bit of coaching, um, COVID happened. So (laughs) everything kind of shut down. And so I think I was already in that space where I was kind of planted at home. I was more Mm. focused on, you know, number one, my health and my, you know, physically and mentally, but I was already very much just in mom mode as well. So Mm -hmm. the only thing that kind of happened is I got really exhausted. It became really exhausting Mm. because my husband has been, it's been awesome that he's able to still work. So I've been home, you know, 24 seven by myself juggling. Oh, so he's not working. Your husband's working outside of the home. Yeah, he is. So, so I've literally, um, the first couple of weeks I sort of fought and I was, you know, getting up at 5am and trying to work before everybody else. But 
the crazy thing is my four-year-old, it was like he sensed me and he'd get up with me. So I'm like, well, this is not working. (laughs) (laughs) So I just kind of surrendered to the process and was like, you know what? This is the time that they, you know, the boys need me. I need, I'm going to be focused at home. And so, yeah, I mean, I took up uh, baking and coloring and painting and (laughs) just, you know, doing those sort of things and just let the rest go. Magical things happen when we surrender, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. So overall things are pretty, I guess in place, would you say like, like after surrendering and letting things flow as, and, and go as we're told, like we're, we're told we need to be quarantined. We're told, you know, by, by the world, we need to do this and that and the other thing. And so we're naturally kind of just falling into a new pattern of living. And I know for us, like we're kind of in this pattern and I don't want to leave this pattern anymore. <laughs> it's <laughs> I'm kind a little of nice. Sad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So you're feeling positively about it then now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like a typical um, recovered addict, <laughs> I like to take my power back <laughs> and try and make, uh-huh. make things work my way, but you know, it doesn't work out well. So yeah, it's, you know, surrendering over and over again. There's a lot of surrendering daily. And I think the most important thing is starting my day with my higher power, which for me is God and, you know, letting him lead the way, because if I don't, I quickly create quite the disaster in my life. I'm irritable and angry. Um, I get feeling like I'm trapped in a box because I have to stay at home and I don't want to. Mm-hmm. And if I do go out, say if I go grocery shopping, I just get angry and irritable again because there just seems to be so many constraints out there right now. And it just feels weird. It does. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine you because you're in New York. Well, you're in New Jersey, right? New Jersey. Yeah. yeah. <gasps> I'm pretty close to New York City, the town that I live in. So, yeah, we've been hit hard. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I watch. I part of my Google uh, bad habit is I do Google (laughs) what's going on in New York or in New Jersey, because I do, there's so many friends I have out there, you know, and I can't imagine. I mean, well, you know, I think, you know, it's interesting. I, I love to be able to like, like um, sneak a peek all over the world and see how everyone's doing what like the the what's set up in place like at grocery stores like the now the duct tape on the on the <laughs> ground like six feet apart and like the requirements and you know I'm I'm used to it I, I still follow the rules but there are plenty of people who don't mm. in my area and there's plenty of people who are having big parties and you know police has bu- they busted like adults having parties and in my town. So it's, it's, uh, some people, it's interesting how some people are really taking this very seriously and just are listening to like the people who know what they're talking about. Yeah. And then there's some people who, I, I, I don't know, who just think, think differently. Yeah. So, well, there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there and I definitely am one of those people that like to put my tinfoil hat on at times. <laughs> <laughs> that's just part of who I am Uh uh and um, so I get it but you know my sense is that you know this is real obviously you know they they're just learning what this virus is so you have to be cautious but there are some 
bad people that have a lot of power that are taking advantage of the situation. And so yeah. I kind of can see both sides, right? Um, yeah. 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 You know, I, it's interesting because, you know, just to, in, um, moving into recovery is that on, I go to a lot of zoom recovery meetings, uh, pretty much three a day. Oh, wow. Um, de- definitely two, but I, I need it. I definitely need it. And, um, the, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. I was thinking about how, oh yes. I was thinking about how in, in recovery meetings, we talk about how we, a lot of us feel like we, we are, are well-equipped. Those that have been in the program for some time and have done the steps and, and done their work and live in the idea of like living in the day and one day at a time and all that, like the, that we have to, that we're applying that to the conditions of the world right now. So we, we kind of have, like, we're kind of lucky that we, we already have this way of this design of living that we learned in the program Yeah, that we can apply uh, to life today. And for me, it's been, I, I am acutely aware of that and very great and so grateful for that. And, and I'm utilizing, I'm, I'm making use of the program when it comes to the COVID. Yeah. And I think that a lot of us that are in the program, we come, we are dealing with a lot of trauma or we have dealt with a lot of trauma. And so there's something about chaos that is a bit comforting really, because it allows us to mm. stop. It allows us to relax or just be, and not have to be, uh, living out of our trauma in the sense that, you know, sometimes we feel like if we relax, we're lazy or we should be doing Mm -hmm. something. And this is really forcing us to slow down, which I honestly have been working on for years. (laughs) So this is just a new, a new level of it. Oh, that's great. So you've been, so you, you are a mover and a shaker that was forced to kind of pause or, or just slow it down significantly? I think it's a new level of it. Um, okay. You know, I look back at, say, four years ago, I had a newborn baby, and I was writing a book and running a coaching business and speaking and traveling and still doing um, my photography business. And that is just such a typical addict thing to do. Instead of just relaxing and being with my newborn, I was trying to do it all because I felt like I had something to prove, you know, because I'd spent so many years in this damaging lifestyle that, I don't know, it's almost like you feel like you have to make up with it, but what ends up happening is you get burnt out. And so I've been working on it kind of since then, and then COVID comes along, and it's just a whole new pause. I don't know, it's hard to explain. I get, I get it. And I think the listeners will too. And so explain to me, like, how, like, are you leaning into this new way of being or is, is it something that you've resisted or are you accepting and like kind of running with it, slowly running with it, yeah. so to speak? Well, I've been lean, leaning into this new way of being for a couple of years now, but this is a whole new level, a different type of leaning in, right? Because mm-hmm. It's kind of out of my control, really. Yeah. And so that's new. Whereas before, I had to be the one in charge to control the leaning in, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
So much surrendering. <laughs> right? Yeah. So much surrendering. Yes. <laughs> totally. I love it. I love this pace. I love it so much. And I don't want it to end. And I'm very, and I get sad thinking about that it, when it ends, we'll go back to the, you know, the, the create the, like the fast paced competitive metropolitan area kind of way. And I know it's a world way too, but I, you know, since I live in this, in the metropolitan area, I just, it's so, so the way it is. And, and, and I just love, I'm like, maybe I was meant to live like out in the country, the country (laughs) where like, there's like miles and miles and like hundreds of millions of miles between me and the next town, just so I could just feel like, and be able to be at one with my, like, slower pace like I just because I I I think it's because of my anxiety you know I just need like it's just I can't it's hard for me to handle when things get too busy and too like we got to be here we got to be there we got to do so but some people like you like I know like the you know you have definitely and I want to get into you more obviously this is a podcast this episode's about you and um I I want to hear I and I'm sure the listeners want to hear a little bit about, you know, what got you to sobriety, what brought you there um, with, without like going too much into it. Like, cause I really love to talk about the, like the now, like the, what we're doing in recovery and how we're staying sober and our gratitudes. But I, I know your story and it's incredible <laughs> and we can definitely direct our list the listeners to your books and a memoir. That's, that's unbelievable. I can't wait for that. I'd love to hear from you like how you've changed, like, what was it like before you found sobriety and what is it like for you now? Like, how are you different? How have you transformed? What are the things that you did that were different before and, and, and how do you do things differently today? Wow. That's a big question because I walked into the room 17 years ago. So I have I've evolved and changed so much and my journey really started out in self-development world. So I have this kind of innate thing inside of me that always wants to evolve and change. And so I am, yeah, there's been a lot of change, but what I can say is going back to 17 years ago, I mean, I was a train wreck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Bad. I mean, I think this is a funny story actually I'll share is that what got me into the rooms was, you know, I had done a bunch of geographical changes and to cure myself and that really didn't work. And um, I was involved in a a very rough lifestyle. um, And I remember walking into, this is, this is kind of funny, but I was, I walked into the police station to get a security clearance to be able to get a license to be able to work in a certain nightclub and uh I had a okay. I had a warrant out for my arrest and didn't even know I just walked right in there to get a security clearance and I got arrested oh my god <laughs> that's right I totally I totally forgot about that oh, wow so and of course my son at the time he was I think just four and he was in pre- your, your oldest yeah son, my right? eldest old, yeah. and okay and uh he was in preschool and I mean I had to mm-hmm. pick him up and I had gotten arrested I mean, what a mess. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I mean, right. And we can laugh about it now. But were you like, 
What were you like in panic? Like oh, for breakdown sure. mode? For sure. I was okay in my addict mind. I was already creating stories of how to play this out. Okay, like I was figuring it out, <laughs> and which is what we do. Um, mm-hmm. But the really cool thing is when I was being released, because I literally the cops were they took me into this room and they were questioning me and I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And like, that just shows how many, how much drugs I had been on before I had left the former city that I was in before I came here. I mean, it was that much of a disaster that I don't even remember. (laughs) Oh, so it wasn't like you, you weren't lying to No, you were, you literally could not remember. Okay. Yeah, no, I had no clue. I was formulating stories in my head of what I was going to tell, you know, my son's teachers um why I'm not there all that sort of stuff right I really didn't know why Mm -hmm. I was sitting there but um when I went to get released I always call this man my angel and they sat me next to this this man and he was very rough looking and I at that time felt like I don't know it was like if somebody looked a certain way I just right away assumed I was better than them at that time in my Mm. life Mm-hmm. And he was trying to talk to me and I was like, why are you even trying to talk to me? Like, gross, go away. <laughs> <laughs> so I was kind of throwing him a bone and he saw right through me. He knew exactly, he knew I was an addict. He, he could, he saw right through me and he gave me a piece of paper and said, when you're ready to get sober, call this number. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? Sober? I don't do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, look how how perfect I look. (laughs) This is all a mistake. I'm not not here because I was arrested, right? Like, just this, oh, the insanity of it all. And so the really cool thing is that um, within a two-week period, I was out again. And the, the, the family that was babysitting for me while I went out, they had... Um, they were just really good people and I couldn't pick them up because I was too high. And so I was made, I had to make a decision then. And so I remember tearing through my car to find that piece of paper that that man had given me. And I called it and a woman came and picked me up and took me to my first meeting. And so that's how it happened. That's incredible. Yeah. And so you were alcohol and drugs or just drugs? No, alcohol, drugs, anything. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> okay. All of it. <laughs> oh, what we do. Oh, so that's see that and that to me is like such a God thing. Mm-hmm. It's such a higher power thing. It is, right? Yeah. Yeah. And did you and did you recognize it then or did it take you some time to be like, wait a minute? Oh no. This was a seed that was planted by my higher power. Well, I'd like to back up a few years before that experience actually where the first seed that I can see now was planted was Mm -hmm. I had been living in a different city I was oh man it had probably been about two years had gone by and on a daily basis I mean I I would do so much drugs oh my gosh like tons of cocaine ecstasy whatever was available GHB even and I would have to wake up and take Oxycontin to be able to function. And mm. it got to the point where um, the, 
the drug dealer who I was dating. (laughs) (laughs) It's convenient. Convenient. Oh, yeah. He was giving me drugs to sell to the girls in the clubs when I'd go to work. And I would end up doing them all. And Uh, as a way to, I guess, punish me because he knew what I was doing. So I never had the money to pay him. And he gave me crystal meth. And it actually, I thought it was cocaine and it was crystal meth. And I did it and it messed me up so bad that I literally went crazy. I mean, anyone who's done crystal meth can understand that. I can remember falling. Every time I try and sleep after two days, I would fall asleep and it was like I was burning down in a house. It was so bad and I'd wake up screaming. And so I called my aunt and told her, like, I need help. I need to go to a rehab center or something and it was it was from the crystal math and so she brought me to a detox center and mm-hmm. I mean I think she was just as shocked sitting there when they asked me what was in my system what was going on and I listed off everything I had been doing and my poor aunt she was just like holy smokes right like no clue mm. that this is how bad it was um, and you know within two days of being in detox I started to feel a little bit better. And so I left. But during that time, I'd went to my very first meeting and I never knew it was a meeting I was sitting in until many years later. I was like, oh my gosh. So I think that's probably where the first seed was planted was sitting in those meetings and detox. Okay. But I had no clue. But then you went back out and then it was the man that in the, in the police department um, that gave you, that gave you his card. Yeah. and then that's when it finally, that wow, amazing. Well, and even, amazing. even then I didn't get it. So this, this, this beautiful woman came and picked me up and took me to a meeting. And I can remember the whole drive there wanting to jump out of the car. Like I did not want to go talk about spiritual warfare. Right. And I can remember getting there and I, I was such a mess, such a mess. And it took me many years of going to these meetings back and forth to actually get it. And so, you know, I entered the room 17 and a half years ago, but I'm 15 years sober because it did take a while. Yeah. Yeah. That's not unusual. No, but it's good to remember because I can have compassion for those who are in that situation today and not. Yeah. That's so important, how we and how we give back. It really is. You can understand. I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. I even flip onto Twitter, and my first, the feed will be, and I've just noticed this over the last month, is you go on, and it's all these people shaming themselves because they've relapsed. Like, so many people oh, are relapsing. I see that, too, and it, it breaks my yeah. heart. And it's like, okay, let's be encouragers. Let's lift them up. Let's not shame mm-hmm. them. Let's encourage them to get back on. Let's, you know, let's yeah. start again today. There's no failure in this. But I mean, when you're in that position and in that mindset, it is debilitating. I mean, when you relapse, I know most, you know, would rather die than have to admit that they relapse. It's the truth. I never, I, I slipped once after I found the program. And I was so ashamed because I felt like it, like I let everyone down. Yeah. And and then the second time I slipped is when I finally, when I when I 
confessed, you know, to, to the people on my program mm-hmm. that I did. And I was like, Oh, it was the worst feeling ever. And now I hear people like come in and, and find the courage to say they, they slipped or relapsed for a couple of weeks or a couple of months or whatever, a couple of years. And, and I'm like, yes, you're back. You didn't die. Like I just, I get so excited and you know that they're okay. And I barely know them. And, but I didn't see that. I didn't look at it that way when I was, Oh no. When I relapsed. No. Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> so, so, okay. So when, when would you say like, cause we all kind of get deal, like we go through this process of, um, finally finding the room, you know, the rooms, those of us that are using a certain program of recovery. And then we get to a place where we use, um, we work this program and we kind of have this mind shift. Do you ever feel like you, but you had like one particular or many like really like amazing experiences that you felt like you were like, Oh, I get it. Or, Oh my gosh, I feel like I've totally transformed. (laughs) (laughs) You want to actually this morning when I was putting the toilet paper roll on the, on the, toilet paper thing and I flipped it the one way and I was like oh I get it why people need it to go that way no. <laughs> <laughs> I, love it. I did not I didn't care about that stuff before and I'm like oh okay no. <laughs> I'm just kidding <laughs> I love it but no I've had so many of those types of moments along the ways and my spiritual journey little do we realize that when we enter the rooms that we're embarking on a spiritual journey I mean it tells us we Mm -hmm. are but it took it took so many years to realize that's what was going on Mm -hmm. I'm like this is not about me (laughs) absolutely it's um it's incredible Um, yeah so I think you know, that's probably where what you're asking right now leads is that question is, you know, my path, it began, it's interesting, actually, my very first sponsor ever, she came from Christian home, and she took me to church with her. But I really had no clue what was going on. I just know that when I went, I felt better. Mm -hmm. And actually, it's strange, a lot of times I must have been so damaged, because a lot of times I'd go, and I just want to fall asleep. It was like, God was just wanting me to just be still, right? And, um, but I didn't get it at that time. And I went on a self-development journey. And there was lots of huge awarenesses on that journey. um, And alternative healing. And I used acupuncture and reflexology and just tons of different types of alternative healing. And And it worked really well. Um, And then I was involved in the woman empowerment world and loved that. And I ended up coming back to Christianity. And so that was kind of my journey. And the real power for me has been with Christ. But it took, it Mm -hmm. took over a decade to get there. I mean, I was introduced in the beginning, but I didn't realize that's what I was searching for. And I think that's kind of a lot of people's experiences, not everybody's, but a lot of people's experiences mm-hmm. is once they get into long-term recovery, um, they have this huge spiritual awakening. You know, I always feel like it's around that 10 plus years. There's this huge spiritual awakening. As long as you're working your program daily, 
and you're like, oh, and things really shift. So the last, since, since my huge shift, the last couple of years of my life have been the best. I've had the most amazing experiences since then. Oh, it's incredible. I love that. I love that about, you know, when, when we really commit ourselves and we're willing to surrender and we have that desire to, to change. Like, I know for me, I was like, why, what is wrong with me? You know, like, what, why can I, why do I feel this way in the world? And not only that, like, how, how is it that I'm so capable of keeping this a big secret from everyone? Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> and, and, you know, cause a lot of people were so surprised that when they, when I said, yeah, I'm in, I've, I'm sober, like drinking just wasn't working for me, you know? And, but then now in like, I love when, when, you know, in the beginning, when people say, wait for the miracle, I'm like, what, the <laughs> wow. what, like, what is this business, yes. you know? And, you know, I just, I just kept going back and sitting and meeting, you know, and, you know, my chair was still there and, and, and just miracles did yeah. happen. And they continue to happen. So I'm like, I'm, st- I'm going to stick around because this is pretty cool. This is pretty cool what's happening for me. And, and it's like such an inside job, mm-hmm. right? Because, and that's, that's where it's like, I think that's the kind of message I love to convey in, in this podcast that, you know, we see a lot of like before and after transformations on social media. And yeah, we do like look a lot different, mm-hmm. right? Because we just you know, our skin looks better. Like we're not so puffy. I know that that was my experience, but I wanted to be like, look at my insides. <laughs> like, like, I wish you could see what I feel. Cause I feel so much different about myself. The peace, right. The peace. Oh, and the mm-hmm. self-confidence and the, the lack of self-loathing that slipped away. Well, really and so the wonderful. grace. I mean, yes. I actually had to look it up in the dictionary to define what grace meant. And then I actually had to write it on my wall because I couldn't wrap my head around that. I was not raised to think that if I did something wrong, that I'd be forgiven for it and be given more. Mm. And, and it's like, wow, give being given something that you don't deserve. Right. I, that's a hard one. That was a hard one. And I was like, oh my gosh. And fully understanding that right there has transformed how I treat others as well. Um, Like that's been one of my biggest transformations as of lately is really understanding grace. And that allows you to be so compassionate. Like you were just, like you mentioned earlier, like the ability to be so compassionate because of your own experiences and knowing what it, what it's like to be out there. And that's, I think, you know, attributed it seemed I would imagine to do what you're doing now like your incredible website carmel.com <laughs> do a little plug here <laughs> I need to change that I always you know, think I need to change that maybe I shouldn't be using my whole name <laughs> but that was another journey to actually do that <laughs> oh I love it you know so, so many people use their name but yeah we can do that like you know I did that you know when I started to blog and and had like seven different website names <laughs> to finally get down to sober gratitudes um but you really have such an amazing ability to find people to join you in 
in especially women like you you were you you bring women on mostly you know I did to your pot I do it was all about women but again in the past year I've been through so much therapy I've been through so anyway and I've had this whole healing process and now I've started to invite men in and the really funny thing is that I'm actually doing interviews Mm -hmm. with four men in the next couple weeks which is wild because I they were not welcome on my podcast before it was a safe place for women and now because of my healing I'm able to do that I love that I love that and that and that I love, I love that you're saying that and that you're being transparent about it because, you know, we do like our journeys are not static. Like we, we, we change and grow because especially when we continue to look inside of ourselves Mm -hmm. and understand ourselves. And I know that's my experience. Like the more I kind of accept who I am and and when I think you're hitting it right there is accepting who you are, yeah. because a big part of my journey that I haven't shared is that around um, six years sober, I started a business. Um, I did really well. And I took on this persona that my life in the past had not happened. I showed up as a, a businesswoman, a photographer, a wife, a mom. I sat on boards. I interacted with people who I can remember sitting there in an organization, being involved in choosing where their money would go. And I could relate to their stories. I was like, that was me. But I couldn't tell them. I had to hide it because I had created Mm. this whole new life that did not involve actually who I am. And the interesting thing is that what it was Mm -hmm. to the point where I would hear people's stories or sit in these organizations. Right. And I'd be like, Oh my, I would be like, I can relate. Oh my goodness. This is so painful, but I couldn't admit that I had lived that life. And so when I stopped doing that, that's when things really started to change. And the interesting thing is I only lost a few people in my life, (laughs) you know, like, and it was people that weren't meant to be in my life anyway because they're mm-hmm. still living their mm-hmm. um, their false lives right they still are living for the image and when I stopped living for that mm-hmm. everything changed and now I'm able to do what I do today but I know and I know you know this is not an easy path to do laying it all out there being vulnerable sharing things that most people will shame you over it's not easy mm-hmm. but it needs to be done because how else are we going to change as a society People do get right. better. And yes, and I feel more useful. I feel like this freedom to, to be more authentically useful for, um, to, you know, to do what my higher power intends for me to do in my life. And it's, it's such, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, I just, it's such a relief to be able to just be authentically myself and accept who I am and just lay it all out there and use my experiences for Mm -hmm. good, for goodness, you know, and for, to help others find the courage themselves to do something they might not otherwise Mm do, like ask for help, ask for help, you know? So that's wonderful. So say, so say more after the six years, you, you know, when you kind of had this breakthrough, this kind of, this, uh, 
um, growth in your recovery. Was that when you launched, like you, you launched a website and started doing recovery lifestyles? Is that when that all happened? Yeah. I mean, there was a little more before that I went into, I went into, um, more like empowerment, women coaching and doing retreats and that sort of thing. But, and I was still hiding behind that and not, unless you were close enough to me, you would know that I was, I was sober. I was in recovery and I'd had this past, but it was a journey. Right. And I think it was two years. Yeah, it was two years ago when for the very first time, I think on Instagram, I posted that, you know, I was 13 years sober and I received so many messages of people who just, it helped hearing that, right? Because Mm -hmm. I had Mm -hmm. created and portrayed a perfect life up until that point. And they were like, oh my gosh, wow. And I realized that there was another level of my hiding. And around that same time, I had been working with an organization in the States, well, in San Francisco called Voice on the Women's Network of Voice America. And she, Uh the woman who runs it and owns it, she kept saying to me, like, you should have your own show. I think it's time for you to have your own show. And I had no idea. I thought maybe I was going to do uh, women in business or a podcast like that. But it was that experience of posting my sober date, birth date, and all the all the feedback I received, I was like, I'm going to do a, I'm going to do a recovery sober podcast. That's what I'm going to do. And oh my goodness, that was scary. That was scary Mm -hmm. because now, now I'm out there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now there's no hiding. Oh, and you've touched so many lives. No, 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 (laughs) no going back in the closet. And I'm like, why God, why are you doing this to me? I like, you know you go we do these things and we're like on my own I would never be doing this because I'm not comfortable with this but when when I'm in the Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit and he tells me what to do I'm like all right I'm doing it and then as soon as I'm out I'm like why why (laughs) (laughs) oh that battle between the ego but you know two years later here it's getting a little easier a little bit easier <laughs> it's actually oh, yeah it's so actually cool. a new writing a writing a memoir oh there are many days where I'm like yuck I I purpose I'll purposely mm. I go to therapy now one day a week and I will purposely write the day before I go to therapy because there's so much that I need to talk about with somebody who's gonna keep me on the straight right <laughs> not let me fall down the the tube or yeah yeah so had you done therapy outside of your program of recovery before two years ago or is this the first time this is no I mean I had done tons of alternative therapy I mean I had oh my gosh I used to travel I mean I've literally I've been to I've been you know I would like to say the geographical therapy cure. <laughs> the, I don't know. I would okay. just, tra- I would travel so much. I went on cruises and I was spent a lot of time in Los Angeles and San Francisco and just all over the place. I mean, I even went to Paris, France for a retreat. And um, I think I was avoiding the therapy 
So I was taking the easier way and the more exciting way. But now, (laughs) yes, this is the first time I'm actually going to therapy and really digging through the stuff and doing a lot of um, the therapist I see specializes in trauma. And I have a lot of trauma. And Mm -hmm. um, it's really exciting. It's painful, but it's really exciting because the shifts that I get to make within that. There's so many things that I've been freed of, right? Like they always say in the program, it's that peeling of the onion, right? It's like, let's get... I'm going to get this right. part out and I'm going to deal with it and heal, and heal it and deal with it, how it, how it affects my body. Um, I'm doing EMDR, which is for trauma. And mm-hmm. we deal, you know, we get it out, deal with it, deal with the body part of it. And when it is released, it's released, it's gone. It's not coming back. You know, it's not going to affect me anymore. And so I can speak of the situation. Yeah. I can speak of whatever had happened and I don't go into severe anxiety. I don't feel sick to my stomach. I don't get a migraine, all those sort of things. Yeah. That's the, the amazing thing about what trauma can do to us. Cause I, I did, I did a lot of therapy early in my program of recovery and I did mm. EMDR for a short period, period of time. And I addressed a few things and and it's like magic. It's like poof. <laughs> and it's yeah. such a relief to have, like, cause it is, it's, am- it's amazing how trauma, I don't know if people realize that I had certainly had no idea that trauma layered on trauma, layered on trauma, layered on trauma over the course of your life just is a recipe for absolute <laughs> utter disaster. And I know that it, it led for my drinking to get worse and worse and worse and worse as time, as I was just living life and like, the littlest thing would happen and it would be hugely traumatic yeah. for me and people in my life would be like, yeah. what is wrong with you? Like drama queen, you know, like, no, this is, this is like really, but I didn't realize that it was like, it was kind of, it was a very natural kind of response based on the fact that I had unaddressed trauma from um, early on in my life. And then throughout the course of my life. So that's wonderful. I'm so happy that you're mm-hmm. doing that for yourself. And again, it's able to have compassion for other people as well in my life who may react in a way where all of a sudden they're screaming at you or they're irritable or angry. And you're like, okay, you, you're able to see past that now. At least I am. Yeah. So yeah. it's been really helpful. Yeah. Oh, good for you. That's so great. Well, so what would you say, like, you know, being that this is a a gratitude podcast and, um, you know, obviously we've touched on a lot of wonderful things that happen in sobriety, but, um, what would you say has been like the most, I've asked this before. Um, I haven't asked this in a while, um, with my, um, folks that come on, but what has been the most unexpected gratitude in sobriety? Mm. For you, for you. I think just being grateful for all the simple things, you know, going back to COVID right now, being just really planted mm. at home and being grateful for my children, for my husband. And I mean, sitting there playing simple board games, that would have been difficult in the mm. past. I wouldn't have been able to focus again, bringing up irritability. It would have been uncomfortable to have to sit there and do that. But I have the peace and the peace in our home that we can enjoy this time. And so I think that's probably my greatest gratitude, really. Yeah, the simple things. 
And the gratitude, I, I, I'm like so grateful that I can't confine gratitude within this COVID time in our lives in the world. Like that's like, a, that's like kind of unbelievable to me that that's my new def- that's my default is okay. Where can I find the gratitude mm-hmm. in all of this when it's just a horrible thing and like not to downplay the fact that de- lives have been lost. You know, there's been so much death, but you know, if we, if we lean into all of that negativity, you know, how is that, you know, obviously we acknowledge it, right. Cause we're human and we're, we're loving human, human, uh, compassionate humans, but like on a day-to-day basis. I think it's what we choose to focus on and where we choose to focus. And then we can become grateful for that. If we want to focus on, you know, the deaths and the trauma and the, all the fighting going on over conspiracy theories and politics and all that. Yeah. Your gratitude can wane pretty quickly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think just being grateful for what's going on in front of me in this present moment And isn't that what sobriety was all about, was trying to be in the moment, living in Mm -hmm. today, now, what's happening now, instead of trying, instead of being in the next hour or tomorrow or wherever, because isn't that how we lived as addicts, always trying to get to the next high. And it may be the next experience was the Uh, next high or the next, um, you know, chocolate bar right because it because it induced pleasure <laughs> so you're like oh can't wait to get there but learning to be in the now that's where that's where it's really at allowing life to flow and i think that has a lot to do with god because then you're being present to him letting him lead Absolutely. the way when he leads the I'm... way things go pretty good when i lead the way things turn yeah. pretty bad quickly <laughs> <laughs> I know often these days, there's been days that I'm like, okay, I'm not in, I, I need to not get in the passenger seat. I need to go <laughs> back in the trunk. Like, <laughs> get in the trunk. <laughs> you need a timeout. <laughs> go to your room. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right? You're no, like, but seriously, yeah. Really getting on my nerves. It's like, oh, wait, what am, what am I trying to control? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. But, you know, it's just to know, like, even if, like, we're, we're you know, we uh, as recovering addicts and alcoholics, like, we have a tendency to you know, have this, this, like, you know, the morbid reflection and the self-loathing and the feeling of loneliness at best, you know, like, that, uh, that now I, I know for myself that if I feel alone again, like my default is wait a minute. I'm not, I've got, I've got my higher power here with me all. Well, I think that should be the number one clue that you're trying to run your own life again. Yeah. Right. Self run or what is it? Self wait, self run riot. Oh, what is that saying in the the big book? Yeah. I could pull it out right now, but I, so if, if anyone yeah. listening wants That's to know what it is and what page it is on, we'll we'll go find it later. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, email yes. me at sober gratitude. Self will run riot. <laughs> That's what they say. Yes. yes. 
That's how you know you're in da- danger. <laughs> that that's when you're like, you've got to really get in the trunk. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you know, I just have to say that I am just I'm so grateful that we that we finally I like I, you were like the I'm like God, Carmel's gonna be my first episode. <laughs> And, and, and I don't know if you knew that or not, but I really had a much, and it was because you truly gave me the courage to, you know, to be, be authentic, you know, be, be confident in my, with my creative gifts and, and really travel that journey to kind of find my focus and so I'm like, well, of course she's going to be my first episode. And, you know, and it didn't happen that way. And you know what? And I know that you're not, what's great about recovery and being in program and be having relationships with people who have like really great emotional sobriety is that we don't, like, we don't have judgment or anger towards each other about the situation of that nature. Cause we're like, we, yeah. it's on God's time, yeah. right? Like it's on a, and it, and it happens when it's supposed to happen. Like your journey, like your journey, like two, you know, two years ago when you like start this new kind of self-awareness, self-acceptance journey, like in getting into EMDR, it's, ha- it happened when yeah. it was supposed to happen. I agree. And just, it's, and, and that's what, and when we, when we allow it naturally to occur, like just organically occur, then usually it's like, for me, it, it works out better, you know, cause again, I'm sitting in the back seat. Or in the yeah. And I think that's seat. the key right there is so. that I was able to take the last six months plus off and trust in God's oh, timing yeah. and trust that I would not become mm-hmm. irrelevant, um, that I would not lose sponsorship, that what was supposed to happen when I did pick up and just allow to be, you know, to be guided in that. And I, and I know it's like, yeah. it sounds easy, but it wasn't. There was many times where I thought, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I'm never going to be able to even, bo- I'm not even going to bother. What's the point? It's been too long now, right? Like that sort of stuff. But then naturally... God was like, now's the time, you know, and we started chatting and then some really cool people reached out to me and asked if I was ready to be recording again. And then our network, the network I'm on had this whole, um, had a merger with another major network and without recording a show for six months, I now have my own channel. Like it's pretty wild. That's God. That's God. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. It is. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, you know, this has been such a great conversation and I want to talk to you for five more hours, but I might um, need a coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I'm going to have to take my walk first um, for the day, but um, what, what can, let's leave the listeners with some words of wisdom from you having the years that you've been in the program. And for those that are out there who you talk about on that, you see on Twitter, who are struggling, what, what, like if you like put, cause you can so easily, I, you're so good at this, Carmel, to put yourself in, in those people's shoes and, and have compassion and empathy. What would you say to them? You know, for, for the, the people who are really, really yeah. struggling right Just now. Just be gentle with yourself. Learn, learn how to be mm. gentle with yourself. Find out what that means. And if you need help finding out, contact me, I'll help you. Oh, I love that. 
what helped me step into what, what I do now is that the pain of hiding became greater than the pain of actually um, just being myself, right? Oh. Well, I'm going to, I can't wait to see your, read your <laughs> memoir. When is it coming? When it, when is it coming <laughs> this out? This is God's is it timing thing because it's honestly, okay. <laughs> and I work with the most amazing publisher. She is so, she, and it's like, she knows me better than myself because she wouldn't put a date on it. Mm. And as I'm writing and I'm having to go and deal with so many things on a deeper level, I'm like, well, thank goodness that there is not a time limit on this because it's something that I do not, I don't want to miss something. I want to be able to be authentic. I want to share in a way that's powerful, that helps others. And so, yeah, there's not a time limit on it. I have a feeling it might be the fall, winter, but I'll keep you in the loop. Um, Yeah, well, I mean, I'm signed up. Like, I think you can like sign up and get your emails, right? From your website. So you'll know when. And then any, like, and Carmel is on all sorts of uh, platforms there. Facebook, Twitter, um, um, Pinterest. You're even on Pinterest, I saw. I'm on all of them. I think the number one platform where you can communicate with me if you wanted to is Instagram. That's where I probably communicate the most. And then my personal Facebook page. I mean, come friend me or send me a message and tell me why you're friending me. Oh, you're so yeah. sweet. I love it. I don't know. We're fr- yeah, we're friends on Facebook because I, I don't go there that often. I don't either. Anymore, but, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, wonderful. Well, I'm, I'm so excited for you and I'm so grateful that you're now captured here in, in, in this family. Sober Gratitude family. <laughs> Such a wonderful addition. And so, um, Good luck to you and all of your endeavors and enjoy this time with your, your beautiful children and your husband and be, and be safe. Be safe. <laughs> right? Be safe. That's what, that's what, that's what everyone says. Be safe. <laughs> Wear your mask. <laughs> you be safe. You're the one in New York. <laughs> You're in the Trail, epicenter. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you, Sarah, for having me. Oh, I um, know. It was such an honor to be on this podcast with you. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap on this episode. Thank you to my guest and all of you for listening. I hope what you heard inspires you to look for and recognize the gifts of sobriety. Sober Gratitudes, a podcast dedicated to delivering messages of hope through true stories of recovery. A sober life is possible if you truly want it.